0: it's one thing the chip shortage has taught us, it's that we really, really need chips. So how are the companies producing these critical processors that power everything faring? I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. The following is the second part of my interview with Cristiano Amon, CEO of the largest mobile chip maker in the world, Qualcomm. So, switching gears to when you took over, you talked about how you you laid out the strategy where Qualcomm was not just a producer of Smartphone chips. You want to be more than that, much broader. A year into it, I'm curious how you would grade yourself uh, in terms of not just from a business perspective, but from a perception perspective. Because I mean, if you look at the coverage from the last earnings report, a lot of it was still about Android phones and you taking share. You mentioned before taking share in in phones. A lot of the attention is still around that. But how would you how do you rate yourself when it comes to uh, so that that beyond moving beyond cell phones?
1: Look. Um it's never about one person, so I'm not going to rate myself. I'm going to rate Qualcomm, okay. maybe feel feel better that way. Um, it is interesting from from a company uh, perspective, we're incredibly proud that the company has been executing on its strategy and uh, it's been ahead of the plan. If we, we outlined that plan back in our investor day, we said how the 22 is going to unfold. We provide guidance for the year. We're ahead of the plan across all business. Uh, we're much better than I think everybody thought on mobile and uh, the automotive, we just added the last quarter another 3 billion to our pipeline. Mm-hmm. And then after the earnings, we announced Volkswagen uh, uh, contract for the Volkswagen Group was not even included in that, you know, $16 billion number. And if you look, our IoT business is growing at 60% with each segment above 50. So I think the, the company is great, is executing on the strategy now here's the here's the the other part i think investors still don't get it and in a bizarre way we got penalized by doing well in mobile Uh, you know and uh you know i got message from investors said well your mobile business is growing a lot and uh so and, and now it's growing uh you know so significantly because of its scale that uh, it's, it's now a bigger component of your total revenues. But you know, I'm sorry to disappoint that we're doing well in mobile, but the reality is I think investors still don't get that there's more to Qualcomm than, than the mobile market. Uh, there's a lot more to Qualcomm than providing modems to Apple. I think we're way past that point. Uh, we have a new strategy in mobile, but the reality is there's truly demand for Qualcomm technology as cross virtually all markets, and uh, I think there's incredible opportunity ahead.
0: Uh, well, speaking of, of Apple, uh, you opened yourself up there. But what is what is the? Gift into it. I know, I know. I mean, there, yeah, there is the the prospect that uh, Apple will, you know, break from Qualcomm, put its own radios in at some point. Uh, what what is sort of your expectation for that, and how have you been planning?
1: Look, that? I'm happy to talk about this. So, so first of all, like we we have a great relationship, you know, we we supply uh, products to them uh, for their products. And uh, it's, I'm sure, you know, if you if you look, uh, we've been helping them build great products in the marketplace. That's fine. When you think about the future of Qualcomm going forward, there's a couple things that put our attention elsewhere. One we're much more than a modem company. We're really a processor company more than anything. If you look at what is driving the ASP increases in mobile, it's processors, not modem. Uh, it's about bigger GPUs, bigger artificial intelligence processor, and all of that for the Snapdragon platform. And that's the future of Qualcomm you know, mobile play. Also, we're looking for long-term customers. So it was the right thing to do for a business, too. Assume, since Apple had indicated they, they are going to develop their modem, to assume that Apple's out of our model. So when we came back to, uh, to the November Analyst Day, we basically said, we are assuming that for the iPhone that launches in 23, mm-hmm. we are down to 20% share of the modem. And then going forward, will be single digits in QCT. And that's our assumption. And we're still showing gr- a lot of growth in the company post that. Whether Apple is ready yeah. or not ready, whether they will continue to use our modem or not, it's up to them, but it's, offside, it's outside our model. It's really going to be upside if that happens. And they know our number, they know where to find us.
0: Uh, talking about well, Apple, you know, they've always made a lot of headway with its M-series processors. Uh, it, it's really put a lot of credibility under the idea of ARM chips powering laptops. Uh, you guys were actually at this before Apple, um, but a lot of the Windows laptops being powered by ARM chips, at least early on. I don't know if they were necessarily ready for prime time. Uh, at least those early models. I'm curious what you're doing, what sort of what the prospect of those of those ARM processors look like, on those, so the Windows, the non-Apple side. Thing.
1: Look, I love talking about this. This is a great opportunity. And it's important to understand, I think the timing is now because you needed to have a perfect alignment of stars. And I think there are multiple things that happen at the same time that created this opportunity. So and I would like to unpack that. First is this trend, and I think just uh, is being very visible, especially as you talk about what Apple has been doing, this trend of mobile in compute conversions, conversions between mobile and PC. Just look of how much your phone has grown in utility, even for productivity, um, you know, as we dealt with the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic. So that's, that trend is here. Now, the second one is even more important, the future of work. There's a lot of things about the future of work that is in the hybrid work environment that is changing fundamentally what is the personal computer. All of a sudden, the number one use case on a PC is communications. It's about a Teams or a Zoom call. That's the number one use case. All of a sudden, connectivity is super important. High performance connectivity is super important. Camera is important. The quality of our camera now when you in multimedia and all those things become super important to PC. Yeah. Now there's another there's more about associated with the future of work. Uh, the data is moving to the cloud. So the CIOs, you're gonna you're gonna be at home, you're gonna be in your office. So data is moving to the cloud. It's easier to protect, easier to get access, easier to collaborate. So then you needed to start thinking about having the bandwidth and the connectivity for you to Collaborate, for example, on files on OneDrive. If, you, if you've done that and if you have poor connectivity, you know what happens. Okay, now there's another one. On-demand computing. If you have a workstation, a big workstation, you can't be hauling that from office to home and back. Right. So those workloads are moving to the cloud. I, I like to point out the Microsoft Build last week when Satya was on stage talking about the future of computing is a hybrid computing between the cloud and the laptop. All of those things are changing the PC into next generation PC which is kind of perfect for Qualcomm. Then you have uh, the the ecosystem transition to ARM. I think what Apple has done was been great, started to drive a lot of the native application developments arm. Microsoft is on this journey. Windows 11 create that opportunity for Windows 11 is the first time we have a 64-bit emulation. Mm -hmm. Attempts before that, you could not run 64-bit apps. Now you can. And uh, I think we, with the acquisition of Nuvia, we're aiming to have the performance leadership in PC on the CPU. Period. When you put all of this thing together, it's a great opportunity for Qualcomm.
0: And what's the, the timing on Nuvia? And for our listeners, that's those are those are sort of the the next generation chips. You acquired Nuvia to kind of get it in this business. What, what exactly will it bring, and, and what's the timing for that?
1: I think we we have been uh, publicly saying we're going to start sell, uh, sampling chips to our customers for design next year. Okay. And late next year, beginning 2024, you're going to see Windows PC's Powered by Snapdragon with a Nuvia-designed CPU.
0: And again, for just for context, what is that? How is that different than the, the Snapdragon chips that are powering sort of the current run of Windows phone, Windows laptops?
1: We're being developing. We're being developing um, uh, really high-performance uh, computational uh, SoCs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should think about CPU, GPU for graphics. In NPU for artificial intelligence, uh, for the performance segment of the PC industry, for for performance laptop. And I think we, we from all the companies out there, if you look for of, uh, of Microsoft as they look to design within the Windows ecosystem, an ARM-based SOC that takes the leadership position in performance, I think we're the best suited partner to make that happen.
0: Uh want to talk about 5G, one of my favorite topics. Uh, I would say that 5G, um, to be perfectly frank, has been underwhelming for consumers. I think aside from a slight speed boost and I think really 5G home internet is really the only interesting application. It's been kind of meh. Uh, I'm I'm curious. I know you're still bullish on 5G for obvious reasons, but w- what are some of the applications that, that maybe aren't quite here yet that you are excited about that that really do change things? Because right now... Things got slightly better if you have 5G, but nothing's really changed, right?
1: Yeah. Um, it, I, I think we have to tackle uh, this question talking about a, a multitude of applications from consumers to the enterprise. Maybe I'll step back and say, Roger, 5G is a technology that has been designed to basically be the last mile connectivity uh, to the cloud for everything. So it's been designed to be this Fabric that's going to work like electricity. You're just going to assume it's there. Everything's going to be connected. If you're not connected, it's the exception. So it has a multitude of applications from phones all the way to automotive and industrial uh, equipment and robotics and so forth. Now, let's just go back to phones. Um, the the reality is for existing phones, you know, they have 4G. Yeah, you get higher speeds. You get significantly higher speeds. Um, however, as... The coverage gets built as the networks get more dense, especially with uh, millimeter wave, and you start to get um, much higher speeds and lower latency, like it's been designed so you have gigabit speeds, not hundreds of megabits of speed, you're going to start to see new services. Uh, one, one service that is coming is uh, mainstream gaming. It's, uh, it's going to be streamed. Um, you talk about Microsoft X Cloud. You talk about Google Stadia. So, so your phone screen will basically start to see mainstream gaming. It's all cloud gaming is going to be the same way we think today about Netflix.
0: And you're talking you about, about those. Going... You're talking about those AAA titles, those big games that normally would only run on it, Xbox or PS Five, right?
1: Yeah. Here's a, I'm going to make a very simple comparison uh, for you. When you had your 3G phone. Um, You could not play a DVD in your phone. And you want to play a movie, you have to do a DVD player. That's gone. Right now, it's DVDs are gone. Uh, it's uh, streaming content. And now all of a sudden, you can watch things in your phone as well. That's what's going to happen to gaming. The next thing I think will be still thinking on consumer. Uh, you're going to have a lot of uh, changes in evolution on how you think about about uh, social collaboration tools. Those things are going to get much better. Um, and, and it comes with speed. But eventually, the form factor could change. And it's, it's not that uh, far away from you to start thinking about companion glasses to your phone yeah. for augmented reality. The simple way for me to describe this to you is you have a phone and then one day you got a tablet. And then some applications you have on your phone, but they will render a little bit different on a tablet. You have a different usability. That's gonna be true with your augmented reality glasses. And eventually you're just gonna have the glasses. So as form factors started to change and you start to add new capabilities, I think consumers will see the killer application of 5G. But, But also it's a mistake to try to think of 5G as a consumer-centric technology. The applications are automotive, the applications industrial are incredible, and they're starting to happen right now.
0: That concludes the second part of my interview with Cristiano Oman, CEO of Qualcomm. Tune in tomorrow for part three. If you have any questions, ping me on Twitter at Roger W. Chang. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.